RadioInfluence.com. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. I'm Jim Fannin. My name is Seth, Jim Psychic and producer here on America's Most Positive Podcast. And even though it's the most positive, I don't know if this counts as a negative or not, but I just hope that I, I get to go home to my family for Fourth of July after this episode because I'm going to want to go buy a Boston Red Sox hat and I'm going to get slapped upside the head, I think, after I do that. <laughs> I, I, I think you might. And of course, the reason for that is uh, our guest today coming up in a few minutes is going to be Alex Cora, manager of the Boston Red Sox, who is leading his team as of this recording broadcast, 17-4 best team uh, in Major League Baseball. And of course, this is Alex Cora's rookie debut uh, as a manager of, of a big league team in the Major Leagues. And what a kickoff to that. So this show is going to be all about managing expectations so that you can achieve a high standard of performance and excellence. And that doesn't just happen. And of, of course, Alex is out there in Boston. They tend to have an opinion or two about sports. <laughs> if you haven't I, noticed I, that. Uh, that's an understatement. Uh, it really is. And um, managing expectations. Let's break, break this down. Let's unpack this. First of all, expectations, Seth, it's, and this has been on my mind quite a bit. Expectation is something in the future that you strongly believe, not just believe, you strongly believe will happen. From the very beginning of life itself, uh, I had an expectation that when I was hungry, my mommy would feed me. And and I would cry. Now, I don't remember that, but I know that that occurred. I also know that by being a father, that when you don't meet that expectation of your young baby, soon enough, the baby's going to respond uh, in a negative way. You're going to cry, going to pitch a little fit. Uh, the same thing is if they, uh, you know, they uh, uh, have a little uh, number two in their pants. Uh, they expect it to be gone. And you get into the routine of doing that. Well, sometimes we get busy and I'm on the phone and I'll get your food, Jimmy. I'll be there or I'll change your diaper. I'll be there. And, and that's when managing those expectations, that's when we start to learn how to do it. But how many of us have small expectations? I have a client now, no names will be mentioned. Uh, that 
always wants to be on time. I mean, he is fastidious to the clock in terms of 8 o'clock meeting means 8 o'clock. I expect you to be there. Not 8.02. It's not 8.02. And if I have dinner reservations at 7, well, that's what time I'll be at the restaurant. And the restaurant had better seat me at 7, right? They need to seat me at 7. And I expect my significant other to be dressed and ready to go because I want to meet that expectation. That was probably honed from a, a early childhood of being punctual and being on time. But we also have expectations, maybe driving to the restaurant, that I expect to have no challenges on the road. And all of a sudden, there's a detour, or there's a car accident, or I'm behind a slow driver, or I get cut off uh, in uh, a rush hour traffic trying to make it. All of a sudden, that expectation uh, starts turning into frustration. Doubt, you can feel your chest tighten. You can feel the breathing, that six to eight breaths. I'm in the zone. I'm going to my favorite restaurant. And all of a sudden, getting there is a challenge. I can feel my chest tighten up. Uh, I can definitely feel frustration, impatience. And if I don't really address that and be aware of that, uh, anger will follow. And, And don't forget, anger is never the first emotion. First emotions, embarrassment, jealousy, frustration, impatience. Then you don't pay attention to it. Then it increases. The next thing you know, I, I have an emotional, energetic outburst. And I'm yelling at the car in front of me because they're driving so slow. Or I'm yelling at an Uber driver that went the wrong way. What's up with that? So one of the things for, for this particular client, uh, I, I asked this person to journal for the next seven days, uh, every single time that his ex- expectations weren't met, no matter how small, all the way to no matter how big, he would just jot it down and make a little note uh, in his phone uh, that impatient Tuesday, 9.20 a.m., uh, and that's when he feels himself uh, starting to react to it in a negative way. Or starts having some uh, creeping doubt. You know, there's doubt, and then there's creeping doubt. Creeping doubts just, it just keeps coming at you. The doubt, the more information you get, that I'm not going to meet that expectation, uh, it comes back. You know, Seth, I, I had another client. This has been a few years back, Major League Baseball. This was a spring training situation. This athlete had his routines so so fastidious that he ate breakfast at the same time every morning at the same place every morning, IHOP, and had the same breakfast every single morning. So he had routines, and he expected to meet those routines. And then, of course, after breakfast, uh, he had his other routines all the way up to uh, game time. Again, this was in spring training. One day, unbeknownst to me, one day he goes into IHOP, he orders breakfast, and IHOP, uh, the waitress says, we don't have any milk. He goes, what? Are you serious? IHOP doesn't have milk? You're a breakfast place. You don't have (laughs) milk. She goes, I'm so sorry. You know, the milk delivery did not 
to, to not get here and we we don't have milk. Now I don't know this. I'm coaching this this athlete, but IHOP had no milk. That threw him in a tailspin. So now he had to change. So his routines went beyond routines. They went into superstitions. And that's when you can get in a little bit of a challenging situation. So unbeknownst to me, all of a sudden he can't hit. He goes 0 for 4, 0 for 2, 0 for 3, days in a row. He doesn't get a hit for like six days. And I'm pulling all stops. I'm coming up with all kinds of things. We're going over what, what is the challenge. And then eventually he admitted to me, IHOP had no milk. I go, what? <laughs> he goes, I said, are you serious? He said, that really upset me. So, you know, we had routines, pre-performance routines. There's uh, routines during a performance. There's post-performance evaluation, analytical uh, routines. Uh, routines must never really become superstitious. So when expectations aren't met, it does frustrate us. So go through your life arenas in your blueprint. You know, every single arena has a vision, corresponding stepping stone-like goals, tasks, things that you do daily. Uh, I guess going to IHOP was one of those tasks that led to his goal of being the best prepared for the day. And, and of course, his expectation was to have a solid spring to catapult him into an amazing April to get off to a great start. And, of course, he had visions and goals for the entire year. So you need to be aware of when those negative energy, the the responses, when your expectations are not met, you need to be aware of how that's impacting you. is your breathing going up from six to eight breaths, a zone performer per minute? Is it going up to the 20 where you get into worry and anxiety or even fear? Uh, think about what you think about because managing expectations, it's not only the, the title of this show, uh, and we're going to talk to Alex Cora about managing expectations of the Boston uh, Red Sox, but managing expectations uh, – I think that's a challenge for most of us. I'm coaching the University of Illinois men's golf team. I've been helping them and Mike Small uh, down in Champaign, the head coach, NCAA coach of the year, uh, produced several All-Americans, two national champions, eight Big Ten titles, always uh, every year in the top 20, uh, many times in the top 10. Their expectations are unbelievable. And and last night I talked uh, to one of their athletes uh, about his expectations. And um, what are they for you as a golfer? A lot of people expect to be perfect and you expect to have your best round or you expect to get into a zone state. And you're going to find that the best expectation is just to hit a high standard of performance according to yourself. And that standard is a minimum requirement for a solid or satisfactory performance. It's not great. It's not negative. And, and I've learned that if you hit a high standard every single day, 
that really lays the foundation for a long-term great career or great college performance. And of course, this can be applied to anything. But if, if you are looking to apply this to golf specifically, uh, you can check out jimfannon.com right now. There is a golf school coming up. You know, I was actually just with uh, my best friend this past weekend, who's a, a pretty competitive golfer, played in college. And he said he was getting back into it now that he's a parent. And he said he's playing well, but to get back to his college level, he'd have to cut maybe seven or eight strokes off of 18 holes. And he just said, you have no idea how hard that is. And I'm sure that's the the mindset of people all across the United States who love golf. Man, if I could just get down seven or eight strokes, uh, but oh, that's hard. But we've seen it happen at, at the golf school. Yeah, the golf in the zone school, I, I've conducted about a hundred of these and, uh, uh, I, I'm so excited because um, first time I'm doing one open to the public uh, in Illinois. Uh, typically, I'm going into a private club, and uh, it's for exclusive membership only. This is open to the public. It's going to be May 15th. Uh, it's going to be a Cog Hill uh, Golf and Country Club in Lamont, Illinois, a little suburb outside of uh uh, Chicago, a great course out there, Dubs Dread, as one of the top 100 uh, courses in America. It's a public uh, course, uh, but it is open to the public. And I'm bringing on my uh, good friend and one of the best golf instructors in the world, Golf Magazine Top 100, Brian Mogg, who has academies all over the world. I've done a lot of these with Brian, and Brian's going to join me. Uh, come out. We're going to go through routines. And when you're done, I promise you, uh, you may not have uh, the golf swing of uh, Jordan Spieth or uh, a, a top golfer in the world, uh, although Brian's going to help you with all kinds of tips, tools, and techniques on that. But I will tell you this, you will know how to think like a world champion. You'll know how to prepare, how to adjust, which I think is one of the crucial things in golf, it's a long time out there on the course. You better learn how to adjust to changing conditions, circumstances, and situations. And you're also going to learn how to evaluate. So you're going to hit a lot of golf balls, even though it's a mental school. It's full day. And just go to jimfannon.com. Right there on our homepage, there's a little banner ad on the Golf in the Zone school. And it gives you a few more details, gives you the uh, itinerary. And also you can sign up right there on, on the website. And if you have any questions, you can uh, send me or any concerns, time and all that. Uh, you can send it to askjim at jimfannon.com, A-S-K-J-I-M at jimfannon.com. Or you can call us 877-210-2001, 877-210-2001, and just leave a message and we'll get back to you about the golf school. And of course, when we're talking about managing expectations, you know, Jim, you've mentioned before that you can kind of lean too far one way or too far the other way on the score system, and which is why we need to get our S-C-O-R and E up, all of those up, which we always do at the end of the show. Uh, but if you're, you're too disciplined, be it golf or business or baseball or ballet, uh, you know, that's going to affect your performance. And if you're too relaxed and having a little bit too much enjoyment, you're, you're going to kind of fall off the, the other way. So managing expectations and reaching a high daily standard is really about hitting that sweet spot. It really is. You know, I, I coached uh, a few teams and one team in particular 
1997, Cleveland Indians. Now, I'm coaching nine individuals on this baseball team, and they had incredible expectations. But I found it fascinating that collectively, the expectation was to get to the World Series. And they did. And they lost in seven games. And I always found that, why wasn't from top to bottom? Again, I'm not coaching the team. I'm coaching nine individuals who had their own expectations. But the expectation needs to be to win. And and we're going to hear that in our upcoming interview. I also remember uh, a few years back in high school, I had an expectation of getting a college scholarship. I, I knew if I didn't get a college scholarship uh, academically, and I immediately ruled that out, I just, did, you know, <laughs> I, I made great grades, but I didn't make uh, scholarship great grades. grades. Okay, yeah. And uh, that I needed an athletic scholarship. And of course, tennis was my sport. And that was my primary vision. From there, my vision was to make it to the pro tour. Now, I got a scholarship. I made it to the pro tour. My expectation was not to thrive on the pro tour. It was not to be in the top 10. It was not to be number one. I had no vision except to get there. And then I got there. And then very quickly, I I changed careers, changed hats from being a player to being a coach. So you can have your expectations too low. And, And typically, um, when I'm onboarding a new client, the first thing I say is, what is success to you? I mean, success to me and success to you could be two different things. And it definitely success is not about making a billion dollars or being number one in the world. Um, success could be very different things to, to a lot of different people. So what is success for you? And then What is your expectation? And invariably, every client, whatever they put their expectation to be, I typically have bumped it 25% because I know I I can help give them an edge to get that extra 25%, whatever it might be. I can either shorten the time of the goal attainment or I can maximize the goal attainment itself. But typically... I need to bump it. So go through your life blueprint and look at every facet of your life. Are your visions, are your goals, are they, are they too high? But more importantly, are they too low? And um, this is really where you need to begin with managing expectations. Identify what are my expectations and are they too high? And are they too low? Or are they too vague? Do I really have to sharpen this up? You know what? That's a great point, Seth. Uh, Being happy, uh, you can't, it's hard to quantify. And so when someone says, I want to be rich, or I want to be happy, or I want to be fit, uh, that's too vague. So that's a definition of too vague a vision. You need to really break it down and what needs to occur to give you those feelings of happiness and um, peacefulness, purple, purposeful, calm. And um, I'd put it in writing. You know, once you put something in writing 
and uh, look at it, walk around it 360 degrees, uh, that's something that's going to be more readily achievable than having something too vague. Of course, if you've only been checking out the podcast, but you haven't actually worked through the blueprint, Jim Fannin, you can check out Amazon.com right now. Search Jim Fannin, F-A-N-N-I-N. I grab a notebook every morning. One of the, the most difficult high standards for me to achieve that I really have to work at is leaving my phone alone for the first half hour of my day. And I actually write down three to four of my primary goals right now for my blueprint. And I, I just jot a couple of notes, you know, maybe three or four lines. And that really does help clarify. So I don't wake up in a fog two months later going, what, what just happened in April and May and March? Where did, where did those months go? But you've got to start by knowing where you're going. You can search Amazon.com right now or your local bookstore for Jim Fan in the Blueprint, F-A-N-N-I-N. Well, let's get ready for uh, Alex Cora because Boston, I know, has some high expectations with uh, with uh, the Red Sox getting off to a 17-4 and record uh, as of this recording of the show, uh, leading Major League Baseball. So let's uh, get ready and talk to... Uh, Former client, I coached uh, Alex as a player. Let's talk to Alex Cora, manager of the Boston Red Sox. This show, Alex, is about managing expectation, which is a big subject. But before I get into what's going on with you right now and and, uh, the Boston Red Sox, uh, if you can indulge me, I'd like to take you back to Caguas, uh, back to Puerto Rico. When you were growing up, uh, you have a brother that's 10 years older than you, made it to uh, the major leagues, obviously, before you. What were your expectations growing up in terms of professional baseball? Well, all I wanted to do is follow my foot, the footsteps of Joey. Um, you know, uh, we always talk about having a favorite player or, or somebody that, you look up to, uh, and and actually, Joey wasn't my favorite player. It was Robbie Alomar, but the person <laughs> that I look up to, and uh, and uh, the person that I look up to, and I wanted to follow uh, his footsteps. He was my brother. You know, it was very simple. Uh, I always joke around that, uh, you know, my hero. He was. He was living in the same room, eating the same dinner with me, and it was very easy just to follow his footsteps. And, and this guy, as you guys, as you know, Jim, uh, you know, structure-wise, uh, he was the best, the best of the best. So well, it was very I, simple, and he, he he was the most disciplined athlete I've ever coached. Uh, sometimes almost yeah, to a fault. Yeah, you know, it's so disciplined. Yeah. Uh, so, so then, yeah. Alex, you, you get a scholarship to uh, Jimmy Morris's program down at the University of Miami. I've given many speeches to that team. When you, when you decided to go to the University of Miami, they're perennial national champions when you went there. What were your expectations going to the University of Miami? Um, two things. Uh, obviously, you know, get better at baseball. Uh, I was drafted in the 13th round by the Minnesota Twins. And, uh, you know, I always wanted to, to, you know, I liked the program before. Uh, actually, it was between two schools. Uh, one of them is our arch rival, uh, FSU. So that's ironic, but it was between FSU and Miami. I decided Miami uh, around that time, before that time, you know, they were on TV a lot. And, 
there was something about Mark Lack Stadium that always intrigued me. So wanted to go there and be better as a baseball player. And I think the whole college experience needed to grow up as a as a young man if I wanted to you know, accomplish accomplish things in, in life. Uh, as you know, we lost our dad. Uh, I lost my dad at a young age. So, right. you know, very close to my mom, very close to my sisters. Joey was playing, always looking, looking up to him, but he wasn't around most of the time. So I needed to, 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 you know, explore life, you know, by myself and, uh, going to Miami, I was able to accomplish that, uh, three years that, uh, Honestly, without going to college, no way I'm talking to you right now about about my experiences. Uh, I, I grew up so much, uh, connected with a lot of people, uh, and learned uh, about my craft. And uh, those those three years, 94, 95, 96, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. Now, I, I gave a speech, and it could have been in 97, but it, I, you may have been in the room. Were you in the room when I gave a talk ever at Miami? I, I, no, 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 no. Well, I was gone by that time. Here, here's one of the things that happened right before my speech at with the University of Miami, and I, I want to see if uh, it happened during your stay. Coach Morris brought out airline tickets, handed them out to everybody, and said, "This is the ticket to the College World Series. Some of you won't be going. Many of you will, but we're going." <laughs> And so he, he showed it to everybody, and I, I don't know if there are actual real tickets or not, but that was right before my <laughs> speeches. And then he took back the tickets, and then he turned it over to me, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's awesome!" Yeah. Did, did he ever do that with he, you? He learned. No, but he learned right away about the expectations from the program. He said that uh, in a uh, in a meeting with uh, with Paul D who was the athletic director at that time, um, you know, they're, they're doing this, uh, this tour of the facility. So he comes down when he visits Miami and, uh, he, he walks into the restroom and there's a runner up trophy from, from college for, from the college war series. And they're using it right there in the, in the restroom, you know, to, to hold the door. <laughs> and uh, he looked down, he saw it. They're like, holy shit, you know, <laughs> these are the expectations. And then the other one, the other one was uh, when uh, when he finally got the job, uh, the, the the secretary uh, calls him, you know, like, hey, Jim, um, where do you want to stay in Omaha? And he's like, what? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to make reservations already, you know? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, and they're like, three here we make reservations before the season to go to the college war series. So you just got to let us know where you want to stay. And, yep. uh, that's when he realized, Holy shit, this is, this is for real. And, um, you know, the expectations there are as high as any other place in, in, in the country. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot, not only from, from Jim, but also from the people around, you know, around the program. And then, Alex, uh, during your playing days, that's when you and I got together and started working together. And um, uh, uh, of the score system, self-discipline, concentration, optimism, relaxation, enjoyment, which one of those elements as a player did you feel you need to work on the most? Um, I, I do feel that I needed to work on everything. And that's why we, you know, we work together. Uh, you kept uh, 
you kept me in check, you know, for how confident I am and I trust my abilities. Uh, there was always need of something, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, that's why I still remember <clears throat> those conversations in 2000. Uh, in, uh, I was in Albuquerque trying to, to get back, you know, get back to the big leagues and become an everyday player. And uh, uh, it was amazing. Uh, you see the numbers the, that month in, in AAA. I think I was hitting like four or five with 25 uh, RBIs. And uh, I was locked in. I remember there was a day that uh, you know, I walked four times, and uh, and you told me you made it. You know that was uh, that's the perfect game because you didn't come out of your craft. You were hunting pitches in the strike zone, trying to hit the ball solid, and you didn't get them, and you move on. So I still remember that, and uh, you know I, I always appreciate everything you did for me, everything that you brought into the table. I still use the tools. Uh, now that I'm a manager, uh, you know, optimism is, is the best, but I think relaxation, especially in the market that we're working at, you know, this, uh, our team, uh, is very important to, to detach yourself from, from the daily grind. And, uh, and that, that helps us, not only me as a manager, but I think our coaching staff and our team to accomplish the things that we are accomplishing and obviously the ones that we want to accomplish later on in the season. Well, I'm really proud of what you've done, and uh, you need to be proud as well. But it is a long season. I mean, a- as of this recording, you're standing 17 and four. But just like you alluded, Boston, Boston's a tough sports town. They love you. They don't love you. They can uh, change, and I-, I understand that. But Boston has some expectations. How do you relax, uh, and how are you prepared to relax? It's a long grind. I think it's the toughest sport because of uh, the mental endurance that someone needs. It's easy to be depleted of energy. How do you get away? Uh, you know, you had a day off yesterday. What a day off. You flew in from the West Coast uh, to uh, Toronto. That's not much of a day. You know, there's your day off. Congratulations. How do you, how do you relax, yeah. Alex? How do you do? How do you unplug? No, and- uh- Honestly, um, as a player, you know, I'm very passionate about the sport. You know, I'm a big fan of it. So sometimes it was hard for me to detach myself from from the daily grind. But now, you know, I, I understand. And I, I give the family their, their place. It's very important. And uh, when you do that, there's other things that are more important, actually, than, than, than baseball. You know, you have your kids. You got... You know, in my case, I got Angelica, my girlfriend. I got my daughter Camila, and then the two, the twins. You know, the newborn. You know, they're not. I mean, nine months old kids. So, you know, it's a lot different in in my life that compared to when I was playing. I learned that you gotta give them what they deserve, and and doing that uh, has helped me to to detach from from the daily grind. You know, uh, you give you give the important things, the value, and, and then things are going to flow and, and it's going to help you to, 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 you know, divide the, the things throughout your day. And, uh, that's what I'm trying to do, man. It starts from, it, from when I wake up to listening to music in the morning, to go to the gym and go eat breakfast and walk, and take a nap, talk to the kids, talk to the family, go to the ballpark and get that text before the game starts for my daughter and my girlfriend until I get that text after the game, regardless of the results, man. It's just, I'm in a good place, man. I learned over the years, the hard way, obviously, but uh, I learn and I, I do feel that uh, 
you know, learning my, my, knowing my tools, using them on a daily basis is making me better, not only uh, at my work, but also uh, in my life. Well, you know, I, I've told you this many times, you're more than a baseball player. And, uh, you know, you just hit it on yeah. the on the head. You know, you've got many arenas to manage and there's nothing better than having young twins. They're in the moment. They're they're, they're in the zone. They have no future, oh, no past. <laughs> I mean, and you can go on a on a, uh, you know, seven day road trip and come back and they've changed. It's like, oh, my goodness. And uh, uh, that's got to yeah. be just, uh, you know, the, the happiest part uh, part of your life. I, I need to ask you about your coaches. You know, your coaches you know, give them a little shout out. You know, they're you're only as good as what they think. I mean, right now, hopefully, they're getting ready statistically and getting prepared for uh, the game tonight. But your coaches, uh, you know, they're only as good as what they're thinking when you're not there. Tell me about your coaching staff. No, it's it's uh, they're they're great. One thing I told them when uh, we got we got together as a group. Uh, for the first time, that was in November, uh, right after Thanksgiving. And, and I told them, you know, one thing about it, they're very versatile and there's no egos here that because you are the hitting coach like Timmy Hires and Andy Barquette doesn't mean that they can talk about uh, pitching. The same deal with Dan Lavengi, our pitching coach. You know, he's been around the game for a while. He's been an advanced scout, you know, because you're the pitching coach, it doesn't mean that you can help us out in another area, Ron Renicky, who managed the Milwaukee Brewers and been, you know, he worked for Mike Social for years. Uh, he oversees a lot of stuff. And uh, although he's the older guy, you know, in this group, you know, he, he connects with us. You know, we got Carlos Febles, who managed Double A the last few years, and he's 42. I think Carlos is 41, 42 years old. You know, and uh, he brings energy just like Tom Goodwin at first base. And uh, what what I keep preaching them. And I want them from them is, is connect not only with the group, not only with the players, but us as, as people. You know, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. You know, um, we we had dinners together yesterday. Uh, we went to see the Maple Leafs and the Bruins here in in Toronto. Uh, and I think that's that's the way um, we got to maximize our, our talents uh, to be relaxed, connect, and obviously we know. That baseball, baseball, the baseball stuff is, is going to be there. But uh, the more we connect as people, the better it's going to be for us. You, um, you have a great intuition. You and I have had a lot of talks about intuition, real-time information that the conscious mind doesn't have. But, you know, baseball today is, you know, it's operating on statistics and uh, data. How many times, if you can divulge it, uh, did your intuition play and a win and did the lack of intuition you didn't listen to it did did it happen you may not want to admit that did did you not listen to your intuition in maybe one of your losses and and how big a part is intuition in a game that's so statistically driven right now no it's it's you got to create a balance uh um how it's the information that is provided is going to put us in a better place. And, and the, the, the decisions I make over the course of a game, uh, my instincts take over, but at the same time, 
I'm I'm better prepared to make those decisions because the information was provided, and I use it the way I do feel is going to make us better. Um, there's a few things you know that that goes you know about lineup con- uh, construct- constructing a lineup. Uh, there's more than just like he's a good player. Let's put him in this spot. Uh, I think instincts take over sometimes, you know, for the off days or or when to you know when when to stay away from a player or when to go ahead and use a player. But I think everything revolves in, in your preparation. Right. And, and the preparation, you know, goes from spring training until now. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into play. So um, I feel I have a feel for the game that that always going to be there, but I do feel that I'm more prepared to make decisions and put the team in in a in a spot that they're going to be successful because uh, you know the information that was provided, we're going to use it to our benefit and it's going to help us to make decisions. You know, you've got a great record. You're leading Major League Baseball, and you've done it without J.D. Martinez being locked in the zone, which I've coached J.D. I know he can get locked in. That's kind of a bright spot. That's, uh, uh, you know, we're doing well. You know, he he's doing solid, but he can heat up and, and really change a game quickly. Uh, you know, I've seen him hit four home runs in one game. That must be a, uh, a bit of fresh air to know that, uh, you know, you're doing well, but yet everyone's not clicking on all cylinders yet. Tell me about your lineup. The way we see it, it's a, the way we see it you know, uh, we're getting healthy, which is important. Uh, um, you know, Xander Bogarts, he's on a rehab assignment today. Uh, today and tomorrow, hopefully everything goes fine and he's be, he'll be here Friday. Justin Pedroia. It's in Fort Myers right now, uh, kind of like starting his spring training. So he should be back sooner rather than later. So um, we, the, the one thing, the, the, the good thing about this lineup, we feel that we want based on our way to, to do damage. And they've been working on their craft. They've done an outstanding job uh, using the information that is provided and, 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 and executing the plan, which is great. They, they meet up every day and they talk about, the plan, you know, who, how are we going to attack this pitcher? And, and so far, so good. It's been great. Um, you know, we do feel that there's guys that, you know, they're, they, they're going to carry this team for 10, 12 days. Uh, and, and that's important because not every, not, not, not every day they're going to be clicking on all cylinders. So we're very capable from top to bottom. We feel like that is, is our strength. And we got guys on the bench that, in every, any given day, they come in and they can contribute, which is great. It keeps the the the, the lineup going. It keeps the, the the you know the energy going, and and that's very important in a, in a long season. Do do you set goals for a series? Do you set goals for a month? Uh, are are the goals already set for the season, and you're just letting it play one day at a time? No, they they know that. <laughs> I was joking with them, and I, this is the same. You know, winning is better than losing. And let's be honest. You know, when when you win, it's a lot better than losing. And uh, the most important thing for us uh, is take you know each series, each series, uh, you know, just giving the importance, give the importance to the series. You know, and the goal is to win each each series. We know that. Hey, there's certain it's not going to happen, but the more series you win, the better it is. And uh, yeah. 
we are we have our uh, short term goals, and that's that's the one. But at the end, it's it's kind of like you know the goal is to win the World Series, and everybody knows it. It's just like you know the other twenty nine teams. Obviously, there's teams that they're going through some process, rebuilding process, and uh, for most, you know they they might say it, but they understand that it's going to take a while. But they don't say when they're going to win the World Series. But for us, in a in a in a on a yearly basis, you know that's the goal here to win the World Series. And I want to take you back to Puerto Rico one one more time. You know, I've spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico, coaching a lot of companies down there, a lot of athletes. I really feel for the island. Uh, I, I'm upset about everything that's happened. Um, how connected are you on a regular basis back to your hometown and back to Puerto Rico and uh, efforts to help Puerto Rico get back on its feet? Yeah, we we're doing our best. Well, one thing for sure, on a daily basis, somehow, some way, uh, I'm gonna get. Uh, you know, I, I remind myself where I'm coming from and where we are as a as a country. And uh, we know we're not where uh, we want to be. We're uh, making progress, but you know, it seems like it's slowly, slowly. But hopefully, for surely, we're gonna be fine. But. Uh, you know, uh, I'm proud where where I'm from. I'm proud of my roots and whatever I can do to help my country. You know, uh, we're doing it. I know uh, there's a lot of people that are you know um, pushing and and praying and and help me. You know, with their with the vibes from from back home. You know, to 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 do what I'm doing here, help this team to 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 accomplish all the goals that we set. And I appreciate that. And I know. With every win, I, I, there's a lot of people back home that they're happy. And you, you know what? Right now, that's that's all I can do. I I think uh, I think that is absolutely true. Uh, you've got so many fans, not not just in Puerto Rico, but definitely in Puerto Rico, that are rooting for you. And you're right; every win you have increases the expectation uh, of everybody in Puerto Rico. And um, yeah, you've got to be proud of your roots. I, I love it down there. I, I was going down there uh, one week every month for eight years. I, I flew into Puerto Rico. I am going back uh, soon uh, to do whatever I can to help increase expectations individually. Hey, Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on uh, the Jim Fannin show. I really do. We're rooting for you, uh, and uh, you got to – Series that I know is a big one, uh, Toronto, and obviously the Yankees is always a big series. And um, Seth, do you have anything to add? Yeah, if, if I can just sneak one last question here as we wrap up. The Yankee, the Yankees rivalry in particular, and with Toronto, you know, the, the players tend to get more hyped up, right, around those games. I mean, those are, those are historic rivalries, and they're going on this season. How do you manage those expectations? Is it okay for them to get a little more up for those games, or can that backfire on on the team if they're a little too hyped up? No, actually, we're trying to 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 treat everybody the same way. Uh, you know, if we, if we live in the up and down of the season, he's going to catch up with us as yep. far as like energy. So spend the same energy with every team, and then you're going to be consistent on what we do. And uh, if we're consistent at are preparing and playing the way we want them to do, we're going to be in a good place. Well, keep your score level balanced, uh, attract the zone, and uh, all my best to you. You know I'm uh, 
I, I care a lot about what you're doing. I definitely care about how you're doing it. And uh, I, I'm really proud of what you've done. Thanks a lot, Alex. Well, I appreciate thank you guys. it. I appreciate it. And we would love to no have problem. you back thank on the show guys. sometime. We really appreciate your time, Alex. Thanks, man. Good luck tonight. No problem. Bye. Okay, brother. Bye-bye. Wow, I'm impressed by that guy. I mean, I've got to say, somebody that's at that level and still is humble and insightful, and you, you know, he seems like the kind of guy you'd really want to go grab a burger with. Uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, he he said one word multiple times, all the way back from uh, when he was raised in Puerto Rico, all the way up to right now, and the word was craft craft. I didn't catch that. He did, didn't he? He mentioned that multiple times, honing my craft. And that's the essence of what he's doing. It was the essence of honing his craft as an infielder, uh, as a defender, but also as an offensive uh, player, honing his craft. Uh, We determined that as a player, as a hitter, I hit solid with an accelerated bat head. We talked about that and used that as a mantra. That was everything he did in his craft flowed into that one essence. I hit solid with an accelerated bat head. And now he's talking about the craft of managing his team and the craft of each coach. The other thing that really struck me is he's pulled together uh a group of intellects, baseball intellects, baseball lifers that love, have passion, and he's given them the latitude, the freedom to make suggestions about any facet of his team. And so many uh, managers pigeonhole it. You're the pitching coach. You, You manage pitching, stay out of the hitting coach. And I've even seen hitting coaches disagree in the open with the pitching coach, and they've they've had a little rivalry going on. Well, we'd be winning if we had better pitching. And the way he set this up, it's a group of baseball intellects that have one mission, win the World Series. And that's another thing. Talk about expectation. That was the expectation in putting this team together all the way back uh, in November of last year. That was his expectation. I'm in it to win it. I'm in it to win the whole thing. And I, I so many managers that I've talked to over the years, they just don't come out and say, state what the mission. They think it's just this unwritten rule. Of course, we want to win the World Series, but no one talks about it. So uh, the expectation in Boston's high, and I think it's it's appropriate. Uh, and, and I believe that Alex Cora – is going to be able to manage these expectations. I'm really confident that he will. You know, just hearing him talk, uh, you, I can already just see them in the playoffs. I mean, a, a team like that, holy cow. But, of course, they're not the only performers who are in the zone right now. You want to check out some more? Yeah, let's check some out. All right, this one's a little unique because we're still in the part of the NBA playoffs where there's a lot of games going on, a lot of narratives, interesting stories coming out of it. But I've got to say that the Utah Jazz have, have really defied expectations here. I want to go back to their uh, their game where they went up 3-1 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, this is without a superstar. Remember, they lost Hayward to uh, 
Boston and yeah. free agency, and uh, but they're solid top to bottom. That's a thing. Uh, game four, all five Jazz starters in double digits. That's awesome for scoring because you shut one guy down, next man up. That's fantastic. However, I do have to say that this is one of those times when the stats can't really explain what an incredible zone performance it was for Rick, Ricky Rubio. Russell Westbrook came out for Oklahoma City and said, I am going to shut down Ricky Rubio. No matter what happens, I'm going to shut him down. And Rubio... With some muscle. With some muscle, yeah. (laughs) Rubio proceeded to just draw fouls to get Westbrook out of the game. And that is not fun. As someone who spent their life playing basketball, it's not a lot of fun to get knocked down onto hardwood. And that incredible zone performance from from Rubio. Uh, The uh, Utah Jazz have expectancy, although most people, because of uh, three superstars on Oklahoma, Westbrook, obvious, uh, the expectation is that they were favored, they would win, but uh, uh, no one told uh, the Utah Jazz <laughs> that. You know, And I've got to say that, that so far, everybody that's been in the zone on the Jim Fannin show has been um, not a bird, not an actual bird, but this one time we're going to have to go ahead and give a shout out to uh, Zaza, the parrot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have a parrot in the zone. This is so weird. This That's is my next book, by the way, <laughs> parrots, parrot, in the zone. parrots in the zone. <laughs> I a little patch over my eye, a parrot <laughs> on my shoulder. I, I like it. Okay. So this is based on a single tweet from the team, but this is from the official team source. Uh, day three of the NFL draft where they go rounds four through seven. Apparently they're going to try to, to, um, tell the parrot the name of the player. And then of course, parrots say back what you said. So they're going to have the parrot call the names, um, which, well, that's their expectancy. <laughs> Maybe the parrot has an intuitive insight to pull another name. Would that be awesome? <laughs> parrot comes up with something different. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe they would have to, to just go with the pick at that point. That go, was- go with the parrot parrot in the zone. And if we can shift gears here a minute, because, Jim, I do think that, that this is one of those situations that can use your wisdom for not in the zone. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, which I believe was your childhood team, right? You, I love the Reds. You love the Reds. The Cincinnati Red Legs. You know, Seth, I go back to the World Series. Roger Maris. I'm with my father. Crosley Field, which is long gone. Cincinnati playing the hated New York Yankees, at least as, uh, from a... Little kid, uh, red a uh, red uh, legs uh, fan. Now the Reds, and I saw Roger Maris hit a home run. I can still see that a home run. So uh, it ruined my uh, World Series game. But uh, yeah, I love the Reds. The big red machine, Pete Rose. Unfortunately, currently they're three and fifteen, and Yikes. Brian Price, their manager, actually uh, is out of a job already. And the team is actually not faring any better from from the change. You know, I, I know Brian Price. He was a pitching coach uh, for the uh, White Sox. Really knows the game. Good guy. I, I'm certain that his expectation before the season was not three and fifteen. And the same thing for the Reds. Uh, you know, the the stats don't always tell the true story. It could be injuries. It could be a lot of things. But obviously, the Reds front office said uh, we're not going to wait until we're 3-30, and so we're going to make a change. But very seldom 
In fact, I don't remember, and I'm sure there's instances of this, I don't remember a manager change in April is not over yet. Uh, that's crazy. If you could just speak real quick to this parallels, I think, pretty well, something that, that you may encounter in your career at some point. You know, I actually was working for a company, not full time. I just did some work for them. So I was somewhat insulated that went through like three CEOs in a year. And it, you're just kind of going, what? what? <laughs> so whether it's in your job or whether you're playing baseball and the leadership is changing over, how do you insulate yourself and make sure that you are achieving a high standard of performance and not caught up in it? Well, I think, I think you need to have backup uh, in case something happens beyond your control. Uh, this happened to a banker friend of mine and uh, president of the bank. And I went in to see him and he looked at me and goes, I'm out of here. I can't meet with you. I go, why not? And he goes, I don't have a job. So someone bought the bank and there was a complete overhaul. And of course, someone new coming in uh, probably will get a new uh, admin assistant and a, a new leadership team. Some things happen sometimes beyond your control. I, I'm not telling you to always have your resume sharp and up to date, but I, I think you need to not put all your happy eggs in one basket. And I've seen this with people that have been with a company 20, 30 years. And I was given a speech to uh, Dominic's Finer Foods is a big restaurant chain. The pro, uh, dominant, uh, excuse me, uh, grocery store chain in Chicago some years back. And I'm giving a seminar to about 25 district managers. And the least tenured person uh, was about 15 years. The least tenured. One guy had been there almost 40 years uh, with Dominic's. And it was a family-owned uh, grocery store chain, very dominant in, uh, in Chicago. And um, I knew that they were complacent. I, I knew that they were resting on their laurels. You could just feel it in the, in the seminar. Here comes Safeway, buys the company. Every district manager, gone. Gone. I, I'm not sure if they had a, any kind of a little golden, mini golden parachute. Probably not. Uh, but they were all dismissed. But that so, whole room, just nobody. Yeah, the nobody room left. gone. And this is a matter of months. So, you know, you need to control what you can control. But I, I think you do need to have uh, uh, a savings account that can last you six months to pay basic bills. I, I think all of us need to have that. Uh, some people think you should have a year emergency funds. Uh, I think a year for most people is a stretch of having that kind of cash. Uh, you can't always dip into your 401k. Uh, you, there's penalties for that. But you do need to have some emergency backup in case something happens beyond your control. I think most of us, when we go into something, uh, we, we have high expectation. Some of you right now may be thinking about a partnership with someone. You've got expectations off the, off the hook. You know, you really expect this one plus one equals 10 uh, partnership to bear a lot of fruit. Whatever it is you're getting into, whether it's an internet business or, or a store or a shop or what, whatever the business might be. But it, in crafting these expectations, you also need to put a plan for what happens if it doesn't work out? How do I unravel this partnership? 
in a fair, uh, non-combative uh, way. And I, I've seen so many partnerships start off with great expectations. Things didn't work out. One partner didn't pull his weight, according to the other partner, of course. And um, how do you get out of a partnership? You need to have that in writing. And that's another thing. Put things in writing. Put your expectations in writing. And, and that's with a new relationship, uh, a new business, um, whatever it is, I would memorialize it, not, not for honesty, but for accuracy. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, I, in 2006, at that time, I didn't have a contract, Seth, with any of my clients. So you'd gone 20 30. something. You'd gone 30 years. With a no, handshake. With a handshake. Wow. In fact, Alex Cora, this, this is interesting, uh, you know, uh, talking about uh, Alex Cora's brother, Joey Cora. I'd mentioned that he's the most disciplined person that uh, I had ever met. In spring training, we pulled out a calendar and mapped out six times I would see him on the road. Six times that I would go and see him for two or three days on a, one of his road trips. And we committed that I would be there on June 12th in Kansas City. And I'm going to be there in August in Cleveland. August 3rd, I would be there. And we committed verbally that he would have two tickets. Uh, he always gave me two tickets. I guess one for my coat, but Anyway, I appreciate, or I, 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 maybe I took some once. Sometimes I did, but I had two tickets at the game, and then after the game, uh, he would text me when he's back to his room, and I would meet him in the room to evaluate the game, and that was done on a handshake. Now, get this: we never con- reconfirmed one meeting, not once. Even when I talked to him, "Hey, I'll see you next week," didn't even mention it. It was just understood on this date, on this time, I'll be in this city. Handshake. And we didn't have an agreement. Uh, Frank Thomas's entire career, handshake. A-Rod, handshake. And I, I will tell you that your word is your bond. I, I'm not sure that's the case today uh, with a lot of people. Uh, how many of us say, yeah, I'll see Yeah, I'll see you next week, next Tuesday. And then next Tuesday rolls around, and where are they? Uh, today we need to say, what time on Tuesday? Oh, 2 o'clock. You'll call me on next Tuesday at 2 o'clock? Yes. And I need to put it in my uh, phone to hold you accountable. So we have expectations, some of us, that our word is our bond and other people uh, maybe they don't have the expectation that words are bond. That's why I think we need to memorialize things today. I, that's a sad thing for me to think that uh, I, I know one thing. If I told you I was going to be there and I didn't, my, my father would come back from the grave. Oh, my goodness. I mean, <laughs> he, he would smack me. I don't know what he would do. He'd be really upset with me and, and read me the riot act of uh, what shame me. Uh, because uh, my word was not my bond. Well, he drilled it into you. You're you're actually the only person, basically, in my you know, kind of in my uh, creative life that I don't reconfirm with. Because I, you know, sometimes we do a, a quick call earlier before the show, a couple days to just plot out some points. And 
I never have texted you or something and said, you know, hey, just a reminder, we're doing the show because I know you're going to be there. You're going to be at the studio. Uh, well, that's my personal expectation. I will be there. I expect to be there. And, uh, you know, sometimes things happen, but uh, knock on wood, nothing's happened. I'm there. So this is America's most positive podcast. Of course, there's a lot of other news out there that can, you know, knock you down, wear you out, maybe throw your score level off a bit. And we love featuring somebody that is a true zone performer that is, is just making a difference. And we've got a shout out to a guy named Muhammad out in Los Angeles County that has quietly, I would say, been a zone performer for 30 years uh, in a very difficult task. So his son was actually born with brittle bone disease and dwarfism. Uh, and by the way, his son's now studying computer science in college. So impressive. Ha- had some physical uh, challenges to overcome and is out there doing a great job in life. But he really developed a heart for um, children that had, you know, physical challenges that they were not going to overcome. Terminally ill children. By the way, this guy had some challenges to overcome in his own life. He's actually a Libyan-born first-generation immigrant. So getting established in a new country, making a new life. And on top of it, he has cared for 80 terminally ill children over the last 30 years. Oh my years. goodness. And nobody, he's just quietly done it. Nobody's like even noticed. And somehow finally the story hit the media. So a, a tremendous, tremendous zone performance for decades that has touched so many lives. Oh yeah. Kudos. Kudos, Muhammad. Uh, you're in the zone. And of course, one of our favorite parts of the Jim Fannin show is grabbing your questions. You can tap into the same coaching that world-class athletes, executives, and uh, people in the entertainment industry have used to reach the next level. This one's pretty cool because it's actually starting today. Hey, Jim, the NFL draft is going on and the NBA draft is coming up. I was wondering what you would ask players during meetings before a draft to find out the mental strength of a player and if he can get into the zone. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, to interview a player... Uh, I would ask, what are their aspirations? And when they tell me, uh, I'm going to find out whether it's to be drafted. It needs to be beyond that. I would want to know what their aspirations were for their entire career. Uh, That's what I'd be looking for. Whatever answer that they would give, then I would have the follow-up question. How are you going to do that? And, And if they just say their talent, I know right now that uh, they're going to have some challenges uh, because I'm good enough. Uh, I'm going to find out what is their self-discipline level, what is their concentration level, what is their optimism level, what is the relaxation level, and what's their enjoyment level. And also I would ask them, what is success for you? And do you have a backup plan if you get injured? Uh, That's going to reveal a lot of things and to see if this is really a thoughtful performer who will not only prepare, but they're also prepared to make adjustments instead of just uh, talking about how awesome they are. <laughs> so you're, um, you're, you're going to be tipped off if you say, what is your blueprint for turning pro? And they're like, well, here's a sports car I'm going to buy with my signing bonus. And if they don't have anything beyond that. And I'm an going to have my own restaurant. <laughs> exactly. Well, good luck to that. Because every pro athlete that's tried a professional restaurant, that's gone well for them. <laughs> uh, yes. There, there's a lot of people lost money uh, slapping their name on a restaurant. No question. 
Hey, as a reminder, one more time, if you have not written out your blueprint, you don't need to be a professional athlete to have a crystal clear blueprint. In fact, you need one right now. And the podcast gets you part of the way there. And then to complete your full blueprint, you can search Amazon.com right now for Jim Fannin, F-A-N-N-I-N, Jim Fannin, the blueprint. You can also check uh, your local bookstores and grab it there. You got to get this on paper. You've got to have a clear vision for the future beyond whatever your version of I just kind of want to get drafted is. You got to know where you're going. This is more than a book. It's a guide. Uh, I suspect uh, that once you read the book, you're going to go back to it over and over again because it's going to talk about every facet of your life. I mean, there's a chapter on relationships. There's a chapter on parenting. There's a chapter on being a great son or daughter. There's a chapter on being an awesome sibling. And uh, there's definitely a chapter on sales, on leadership, on management. Uh, And there's a chapter, uh, a whole section on sports, but very sports specific. Tennis, golf, football, soccer, all of these sports uh, are in detail. And you're going to find that 2,500 clients have made up this book over a 40-year period that if you want to know the visions, goals, tasks, and key people for each of these arenas that could be pertinent to your life, uh, there's an accumulation for you to choose from. So if you said, I'm a golfer, even though I'm an amateur, but I want to win uh, my club championship or I want to be a certain handicap, you're going to be able to go in and find visions of golfers, some professional that you're going to see in in that particular instance, number one in the world, which one of my clients, that was the goal. That was the vision. And uh, But you're also going to see corresponding goals, tasks, and then the key people needed to help manifest this. So a lot of the work's been done for you. You get to pick and choose. But when you finish, you're going to have your own customized, uh, because it is a workbook, not just a book. You're going to have your own personalized, customized life blueprint, and you can go back to it over and over again uh, to um, solidify, update, make changes, and maybe even increase your expectations. And of course, once you've got that blueprint locked down, you've got to be checking your score level every day, which is why we always wrap up the show by giving you what you need, because if you get too much on the self con the uh, self discipline and concentration, if you're having a little bit too much of that, I hoppering out of milk can really mess up your week. It'll mess up your relaxation enjoyment. It really can. So you know, balancing these five intangibles, uh, the balance at a high level attracts a chemical cocktail naturally flowing into the bloodstream, and and it's this. A fuel injection of uh, chemistry, uh, body chemistry, that is natural, that's right now in your body this second. Uh, So if you need more uh, self-discipline, well, then you need a little shot of cortisol. If you need more enjoyment, well, you need a little boost of dopamine, maybe a little bit of adrenaline. So let's just walk through the Zone Cafe. You're, You're driving up in your car. You pull up to the drive-up window. Seth's, Seth's back there cooking. He's got his hat on. He's cooking up all of these ingredients. I'm back there helping him. 
What do you need? What's the missing ingredient? Because you're only as strong as the weakest link of score, and it fluctuates. I mean, your score level, Seth, can fluctuate 30, 40 times in one day. So as you're driving up, you either choose one particular arena of your life, or you can drive up and say, I want to see what I need overall. Do you need self-discipline, the willingness, the commitment to stay with the task to reach well-defined goals? And that's your blueprint. It's your strategy. It's tactics. But it's also uh, your stick to uh, and adhering to those routines. If you need that, uh, we got a huge slab of self-discipline, if that's what you need. Now, maybe you do have a blueprint, but maybe you got too many balls you're trying to juggle. You know, maybe you're trying to do too much, and there's not enough time, and maybe you're easily distracted. Maybe it's tough to hold your focus. So maybe you need a big plate of concentration, and that's your ability to focus mental and physical energy on the task at hand that leads to the goals and your vision. You need concentration. We got a plate of it. We're going to put it in our bag and put it through your window so you can drive off and have more focus than ever before, locked in. But maybe, maybe you're struggling with your expectations. Maybe they're too low. Maybe you got too much. I don't know. But most of us have low expectations on certain things, and and uh, we might need a big bag of optimism. That's the belief and the expectancy and a sense of knowing that the task or routines you've chosen are going to lead to well-defined goals. Hopefully, you've written them out. That's going to take you to a vision, and that vision is real. You can see it, taste it, feel it. You know, when you have a lot of optimism, you're confident. You have a sense of knowing. And you know that what you have is enough. It's a great feeling to walk into any arena and know that you can do this. You don't have a sliver of doubt. Now, if you'd like to have that, man, uh, we'd love to whip up a plate of that for you. But, you know... You can have too much self-discipline concentration, as Seth said. Maybe you just need to chill out. Maybe you're trying way too hard. You know the word try, T-R-Y, to ruin yourself. That's where you're forcing the action and uh, you're stressed and maybe you're worried or maybe you're anxious. Uh, Maybe you have fear and, and fear can definitely enter the equation, fear of the unknown. So if you need some relaxation, we got a big drink with a big straw of relaxation. And as soon as you have a few gulps of that, now your breathing's going to drop down to a six to eight breath a minute. You're going to have peace, tranquility, harmony. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a place where I know all of us would love to go. And all of us need that every now and then. And if you need relaxation, place your order. But maybe the end product of the whole score system you got to love what you do. you got to do what you love. Maybe you're missing enjoyment. Maybe there's no laughing. I talked to a client last night, and he realized his entire performance over the weekend, he didn't laugh or smile one time. He couldn't believe that he was not enjoying all the challenges. So if you need a little more passion, a little more pep in your step, 
little more excitement, a little more zest, a little more enthusiasm, come on, order the Happy Meal. Get some enjoyment. And if that's the missing ingredient to take you to the zone, that Happy Meal is ready to go in a bag into your car. So, Seth, what are you ordering? You know, I'm going to go ahead and order a big, big serving of optimism this week. What are you ordering? I'm going to order enjoyment. And uh, although my enjoyment level is always at a high level, Seth, I'm, I'm traveling back to my roots. I'm going back to my beloved hometown, Ashland, Kentucky. It has fallen on tough times in the last 20 years. Uh, I, I know there's a glimmer of hope because of a new industry that's moving into the Appalachia Hills of Kentucky. Um, but individually, uh, there's a lot of opioid use. Um, there's not a lot of jobs, and the jobs they do have, they're not high paying. I, I'm going to muster up all the enjoyment I can, and I, I'm going to share it. I, I'm going to smile at everybody. I'm going to put a smile on everybody's face. So I, I need as much enjoyment I can so I can give as much uh, pleasure and satisfaction as possible. I'm doing a lot of seminars. I've got uh, four high schools I'm going to address, talking about vision, talking about expectation. But uh, my memories from my hometown is one where the downtown area, I love going down on Saturdays. And and it was just passionate. It was a city of champions as well. And uh, my hometown's lost a little bit of that. So I, I'm going to take a few extra bags of enjoyment with me uh, and I'm going on the road, going to drive down into the hills. And that's something we definitely want to hear more about on episodes coming up because that's going to be a, a very significant transformation story we are uh, pumped up about. And as always, we go out by telling you the same thing every week because it's what this is all about. Be in the zone, everybody. Find that purposeful calm. You attract it, and I know you can put it on like an overcoat. Be in the zone this week. Have an awesome, awesome next seven days. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. There's a lot of different things that get measured in the draft. And I've talked before about having played nine years in the league. I'm six foot one. I mean, I probably used to be six foot one. I'm probably mommy closer to six foot now because I probably don't walk as uh, upright. But being six foot one coming out of college was a big deal as far as the scouts go. And I've had a scout from the Raiders say to me, "Man, you're a hell of a player. If you were six four, we pick you. We'd take you in the first round." And I wanted to say to him, "What the hell difference does it make if you put the film on?" And I can block the same dudes that six four guys are going to block. What difference does it make? The only difference is you, you're just not as valuable if you're shorter. Nobody wants to take a chance on a shorter player because if it doesn't work, people are going to go, you see, he's short. I saw an interview with Russell Wilson. Now, Russell Wilson is 5'10". I don't know how many quarterbacks I put ahead of Russell Wilson right now. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.